0: Arizona Sports The local sports leader Binkley Blast I promise you this will be the last time I complain about Cliff Kingsbury, but in the end, he got off easy. I mean, did you see his treatment on HBO's Hard Knocks? Kingsbury was portrayed as a hardworking, mild-mannered, devilishly handsome head coach, so dedicated to football that he doesn't have time to buy furniture, a man so thin that the main piece of art in his Paradise Valley mansion was the animal from his Zodiac sign, and at the end of the series, after reflecting by an artificial fire pit at the foot of Campbellback Mountain, Kingsbury walked off the proverbial set as a sympathetic figure, a martyr, a good man undone by the vagaries and unkind bounces of professional football. I'm sorry, but what a joke. While Kingsbury is certainly all of those things above, he is also a very bad NFL head coach. Fact. And more to the point, he is not a victim. He is not the scapegoat for a quarterback that nobody likes and no one can reach. And I say that because Kingsbury had four years to develop Kyler Murray, and he chose to coddle him instead. He chose to be overrun by a kid who wouldn't leave his home in Texas, who told his head coach to calm the bleep down during a nationally televised game. Now, when David Blau ran plays from under center over the last two games of the season, all of the apologists said the same thing. See? Kingsbury does have it in him. It's not his fault. Tyler just won't listen news flash if i'm the head coach of a football team i'm the one making decisions whether my quarterback likes it or not and in the end that was the undoing of kingsbury in arizona Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. This is not an easy year, all right? But you're you were yourself, all right? You brought it each and every day. You get her everything you fing have, and I will always be greatly appreciated for that. You got know, I me? Mean, I mean hell of a. F- effort guys i am disappointed for y'all for y'all because i know what you deserve it just didn't work this year but it will all right this year happened for us not to us we're gonna learn from it, be better moving forward i promise you but i cannot tell you how much it meant to me how y'all f- work and showed out each and every week man it meant everything to me so thank y'all y'all get a break
1: Vic, uh your blast is always great very good today including one of my favorite lines in blast history a man so busy he doesn't have time to buy furniture <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, there was a shot in last night's episode of hard knocks where it showed a room in cliff kingsbury's house that had a tv
0: hanging on the wall and nothing what are yeah. you gonna stand up and watch well, tv yeah and the line was listen you know you learn as a head coach that everything is is hobo and vagabond you might be out of here the next day so yes. you learn to live light and and mobile okay i get Again, that this is not reality, but man, did they prop him up. They
1: did, and even at the end, what I just played to you was right after the game against the 49ers, Cardinals lose, the season's over, they just got to fly back, clean out their lockers, and do what they're going to do. But he's thanking everybody for their extreme effort and bringing it every day. When we know from watching Hard Knocks, that was not the organizational thought. Michael Bidwell didn't think that they brought it every day and no. that was reiterated. Yes. And a-
0: Joseph didn't think they brought it every day. Exactly. Buddha Baker didn't think they brought it every day. J.J. J. Watt, to a degree, yeah. didn't think everybody no. brought it every right. day. So, I mean, so that that in and of itself right there is, thank you for playing so hard for me when that isn't reality. And that is not what showed up on the football field. Yes.
1: Your point on watching David Blau, a guy who wasn't even here for 90% of the year, come in. And actually look functional in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, despite all of the personnel missing in those two games. But watching these plays develop from under center, you're exa- that was an eye-opener. And you're right, if you're the head coach, it's not about the player listening... Listening no. is part of the job as a yes. player to the head coach. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right too about what happened on the field in the Saints game, a game that the Cardinals won, and that was kind of a, you know, a a, a high point of the season because DeAndre Hopkins came back, but it was over at that point.
0: You can't have a player talking to a head coach like that. No. So there was not a whole lot of respect there. And, and I again, and it's I'm sympathetic to the fact that this kid has been a challenge. I get all of yes. that. But but to sit here and say, this Cliff, if this kid would have only let – they had four years to make him into something, and this is what they made him into. And they made him into it by coddling him from day one. Mm-hmm. There was another very telling
1: stretch of last night's episode, too, and, and maybe a lot of people glazed over it, but it really resonated with me. Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline during the course of the 49ers game talking to David Blau and pleading for completions, just completions. Don't try to get it all in one play, just completions. I looked it up. The Arizona Cardinals, despite having to play four different quarterbacks this year, were four, fifth in the league with 433 completions. Only four teams had more than that. At the bottom of the list wow. in yards per completion, mm-hmm. the Arizona Cardinals,
0: 6.0. Yards wow. per
1: attempt, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. But it's... but that was, that was the lowest nope. figure in the league. Mm-hmm. That was the philosophy, just completions. We've talked about during the course of Cliff Kingsbury's tenure, this looks like an offense that plays on 10-yard fields. They're always mm-hmm. just trying to get a first down. Even when it's third and short... You know, you're, there's a play run to get. You need three. The play is designed to get two. It mm-hmm. was a very frustrating offense, especially this year.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So I, I don't want to. I I know that there were mitigating factors. I know the injuries were very real. We've also had four years of the head coach, and I think we've got a very clear picture of what he's good at and what he's not good at. And being a head coach in an NFL city is 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 not suited for him. It just those are just the facts. And and I think that the, that was the one thing that I walked away from last night feeling vomitous about was just that. The propping up of him as if he were a victim when he's anything but. In fact, it, it, he has contributed to what we have to, what the next coach has to undo, he contributed to. I uh, you, you wouldn't believe how many people have asked me, is this kid beyond reach? Is this kid beyond repair? Is this kid, will he ever learn now? Now that he's got four years in and he's got the bag as well. Is he ever going to listen to anybody? You hire a head coach with standards and with demand, and if the kid doesn't want to listen and it doesn't want to play football yeah. under center, well move on. Then you move on. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean it it's again it's it, it to me, I think this is what has to be done here. This is there's there's plenty of blame for everybody, but where we're at today was was more than partially created by the outgoing regime. And over the
1: last four years, Bick, we've had a lot of discussions about the comparisons between two number one picks in this town, DeAndre Ayton and Kyler Murray. And I've said it, look, and I was very defensive uh, of DeAndre Ayton, defensive for DeAndre Ayton in the first four years of his career. He got his contract. The gloves are off. You're Mm -hmm. accountable. You're a team leader. That applies even more to a quarterback of an NFL team. So, you know, the, the criticism... It's all about results. If the, the, mm-hmm. the results are not there, the criticism is warranted. So that's where they are moving forward, and I totally agree with you. The head coach, if it's Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, whoever it is, you cannot acquiesce no. and coddle no. and appease your quarterback anymore because no you saw the detriment it caused to the, to the organization. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at uh, 620, 620 right now. I also want to remind you you can uh, join Burns and Gambo today from 2 to 630 at Sanderson Ford as they cap off the big red rig giveaway. They'll be giving away concert tickets and movie passes and special guest uh, Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman Will Hernandez signing autographs from 430 to 5. Coming up next, more. Cardinal talk on uh, the quarterback and a wide receiver who might not be a Cardinal very much longer. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports Bickley and Murata. And
0: Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: They absolutely made phone calls on him. Like, I, I know that they've done their research on Cliff, and it's really interesting.
1: So, wait, they've made phone calls. The Patriots to make phone calls on Kingsbury, but not on O'Brien. Well,
2: it's more background stuff. Okay. So, they haven't okay. contacted Kingsbury directly, to my knowledge, but I do know that they've done some homework on him. And, um, I, you know, I, I think Bill does have a level of fascination with what Kingsbury's done. You know, for as much criticism as he got for the way his raw offense runs, um, they're as creative. The Cardinals were as creative as any team in the league. They, they were very difficult to deal with because they did so Many things differently than NFL teams
1: do them. That's Albert Breer on NBC Sports what? Boston about um, you know the Patriots are going to change their offensive coaching personnel. They had a defensive coordinator in Matt Patricia and a special team slash head coach, former head coach, and Joe Judge at the controls of the offense. And that offense was an abomination this mm. year. So you expect it to change. Josh McDaniel's not going to get fired. Uh, Bill O'Brien apparently, according to reports, has not been contacted by the Patriots yet, even though Alabama season's been over for a while. Mm -hmm. So Cliff Kingsbury, we remember the hard knocks moment. Bill Belichick, hey, I'll call you. I would, you know, I've talked about, you know, being fascinated by what Kyler Murray looks like without Cliff Kingsbury. I would, I'm, I would be very curious to see what any NFL offense would look
0: like under the tutelage of Cliff Kingsbury if he doesn't have to worry about any of the head coaching stuff. It is amazing how much life is about perspective. If you're a Patriots fan, the idea of Cliff Kingsbury as your offensive coordinator after you've been through Matt Patricia sounds positively thrilling. Sounds like a roller coaster ride compared to what Matt Patriot. I mean, seriously, people who love the Patriots were saying they they just witnessed some of the worst play calling in the history of the NFL. Oh yeah, consistently week after week after week. We had the same reaction hearing the end of
1: Albert Breer's soundbite there. The creative part. Come on, the Kansas City Chiefs are creative. The San Francisco Forty Nine ers are very creative offensively. Mm -hmm. You know, when the Cardinals do something out of the ordinary, to me, there's a fine line between creative and desperate. And I think it was more... Desperation at times.
0: Well, and, and maybe they're reacting. One of the things of Hard Knocks last night was the Joe Montana play, mm-hmm. the, the flea flicker to, uh, to A.J. Green. That's, let's face it, didn't really work. He, it made, really an un-
2: didn't. he made an unbelievable play with two people on him. Yeah, Results and mattered somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was the one
2: touchdown they scored. I, right, I know, I right. know. But,
0: but, but you're right. But it wasn't like, wow, he's throwing to a wide, wide open receiver yeah. who's 20 yards beyond the Actually, secondary.
1: They scored another touchdown. I'll correct myself. They missed the extra point but you get you get what i'm saying i do get what you're
0: saying so yeah so i i just kind of i i that what albert breer just said that doesn't sound like the cardinal offense we just experienced in fact to the contrary i think Mm -hmm. most everybody has said one of the biggest issues in arizona whether no matter whose fault this is is the predictability of it all Mm -hmm. it's just it's done they've figured they done figured it out is what they've done
1: yeah um how about this for a possibility though because that is a po- everything's on the table right now for the Patriots and Cliff Kingsbury. Who you, there may be some interest in him, uh, in him as an offensive coordinator. What if Cliff Kingsbury goes to New England as their offensive coordinator, and also has DeAndre
0: Hopkins at his well, disposal? Well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I suppose that could happen, right? It could. Uh, there but a- you're right. The Bill O'Brien piece is the piece that you would think would kind of go back there, but I, who knows.
1: Who knows? Yeah, but if you're Bill Belichick and you have to consider who your next offensive coordinator is, like Bill O'Brien was a disaster at the end of his Houston tenure. Still had an above 500 record and got the Texans to the playoffs on a regular basis while he was the head coach. Goes to Alabama. You see the success Alabama's had offensively. Yes, they've got supreme talent. But Bill O'Brien, I think, if he went to New England as the offensive coordinator and they had success there, I think he'd be fast-tracked to another head coaching job. I don't think you can say the same thing for Cliff Kingsbury.
0: No, that's a good point. Yeah, no, I hear you about that. Yes, I would agree with that.
1: CBSSports.com, Cody Benjamin put together a piece on the DeAndre Hopkins trade rumors. Seven logical landing spots for the Cardinals receiver. Uh, Just places that might make sense. Here's the list. Number seven, the Giants. Number six, the Browns. Chicago, five. Dallas, four. And I don't necessarily agree with... uh, Chicago Dallas four. that could be intriguing New England three Green Bay two and Baltimore one and he writes this one checks all the boxes the Ravens desperately need a bona fide number one wide receiver for Lamar Jackson they've got an abundance of cap space to spend they offer a chance to contend and there's even a slight personnel connection tight ends coach George Godsey was the Texans offensive coordinator from 15 to 16 when Hopkins made his Pro Bowl debut. I don't know if the Ravens strike you as a team that's really going to feature a, a, a wide receiver of that ilk. It, they appear to be very content to run the football and throw it to their tight ends.
0: Yeah, but again, it, it, yes, that, that, that's, I mean, that's kind of why Hollywood Brown wanted out, yes. right? Because uh-huh. they were not an offense that featured wide receivers. Now, clearly, they need a little more kind of bandwidth in that offense. But, but again, where DeAndre Hopkins wants to go, it, it, that's also an element in this story. And I said earlier, I still don't understand how a player with a, trade, a no trade clause, who is the player who then asks for the trade, gets to dictate where he's going to go. That just does not make any sense to me, no, but whatever. It's, it's hard to grasp. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's it, to me, I think it's what's difficult to digest here is the Cardinals gave up a number one overall pick for Hollywood Brown. You would think you could get more than that for DeAndre Hopkins, and yet what you keep hearing from people who are speculating is they might struggle to get a number one pick. And I'm like— that's that's a bad deal for this team because the market value of DeAndre Hopkins to me would be more than one number one pick. But if DeAndre Hopkins can limit the amount of leverage and suitors the Cardinals have, I don't know where this thing is going to go. Two things working against
1: DeAndre Hopkins that were not working against him when he got to Arizona. He's in his 30s. Mm-hmm. And one of his strengths in his tenure in Houston was availability. Yeah, that's a good point. And he has not been available for a number of different reasons. Injuries that have nagged him, obviously a six-game suspension. That turns some teams off, too. That's a good point. And, you know, the season was supposed to end, and we were going to hear DeAndre Hopkins elaborate on what exactly happened with that failed
0: drug test, remember? Yeah, when are we going to get that, by the way?
1: (laughs) Is he going to post that on Instagram? I don't know. Uh, Another note, uh, Mike Silver wrote a piece for uh, BallySports.com going over a lot of NFL tidbits. And there's a tidbit entitled Desert Disaster about the Cardinals. And the meaty part of it was a quote from a Cardinals veteran player that Silver spoke to last Sunday. Uh, the paragraph reads, after quarterback fought uh, Kyler Murray fought for and received a massive contract extension of his own last July, quote, it was like they created a monster, according to this veteran player. Once paid, the player said Murray felt less compulsion to study his game plan or to fulfill the expectations of the franchise quarterback position than he had in the past, and the Cardinals'
0: collapse felt predictable. Okay, yeah, that's very alarming. Um, I, to me... Th- what you heard from from players this year, more than not, were players coming to the defense of Kyler Murray. This is an off the record anonymous voice saying to the contrary. I, I'm just I'm confused by it because how would said player know how much time Kyler Murray is spending at home? Now the results are obviously on the field, and, and I have told you what I have heard that that some of his offensive linemen they they roll their eyes at how. Infrequently plays get changed at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, but that that's one thing. Yeah, you don't know what Kyler Murray's doing at home in no. terms of film study and it no. all goes back to that homework clause that was weaved into that contract. And there you go. But if you're a player on the field and yeah. you're going through practice Wednesday and Thursday and mm-hmm. Kyler's not exactly up to snuff on what's going on, you can you can form your own conclusion there. I'm not saying this person's right or wrong, but it certainly would lead an individual to have an opinion on the subject. And, it the, and the, well, the working hard part was paraphrased. They said the person said it.
2: The created a monster part was quoted. Mm-hmm. That was an actual quote from this veteran player that
0: they mm-hmm. created a monster. Yeah. The, um, it, it, to me, I think that you can you can look at Kyler Murray's development and you can say, okay, I understand why this kid never learned to read defenses because this kid never had to read defenses because he's got athletic ability. is so transcendent. That, what do, I need to, what do I need to read defenses for? If, I, if this play didn't work and I'm taking off with it and running, the, what he lacks is the humility to understand what he doesn't know in the NFL. Well, I'll go That's back what to the lacks. piece
1: from the New York Times last December when he talked about I can just see plays develop in, in my mind, I can Ooh. just see what's going to happen. Oof. It all ties together. Yeah. But, is, but, you know, it, again, one player's opinion, one player's statement. If there's a shred of truth to it, there could be a, 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 an amount yet, of spite on Kyler Murray's part. Yeah, th- th- these guys paid me,
0: but they're going to make me study. Pff, I got my money. I'll do what I'm going to do. Yeah, but at the same time, if this problem was – shut up, Jarrett. If this problem <laughs> was so severe – why did they extend Why did they give him another contract if it was this bad? We've been asking that question for a long time. Yeah. On three different fronts. <laughs> yes, we
1: have. Uh, the countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun, and Bud Light Fan Duel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to six twenty six twenty. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th, and you could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus... You'll win a pair of tickets to the following events. FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Text SUPER, S-U-P-E-R, to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, 14 teams in the NFL getting ready for the playoffs. And everybody always talks about experience. How much do you have at the quarterback position and elsewhere? Does it matter? We'll explore. Straight ahead, it's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Morada hash marks. Wildcard weekend gets underway Saturday. It's one of uh, two of six games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday. So here's a here's a fact for you, Bick. In this <laughs> super wildcard weekend, only one of the six games, potentially two, but right now only one of the six games features. A matchup of quarterbacks facing each other who both have playoff experience. That's it. Dallas and Tampa Bay. Dak <laughs> Prescott has got very little experience uh-huh. against Tom Brady, who's off the charts in terms of experience. If Lamar Jackson plays, Baltimore and Cincinnati will both feature quarterbacks. But the other four matchups, you got Geno Smith, Brock Purdy, uh, Justin Herbert. Trevor Lawrence, Skylar Thompson, and Daniel Jones all making playoff debuts this this week. Isn't that unbelievable? Uh, That is not, and it could be another one. It could be Tyler Huntley or or Anthony Brown in in Baltimore.
0: That is, I, I, that's that's got to be a new NFL record. I would for percentage of teams going into the playoffs with guys with absolutely zero playoff experience. And then the question really then becomes. Does it matter? Does playoff experience matter? Does, or does, any, does anything matter? or does Right. <laughs> or does anything at all matter? It's very existential here. Yes. Or or is it playoff adversity that matters? Do you have to get through playoff adversity to kind of get grounded in knowing what it's like to play uh, postseason football? It's a fascinating question because if you go out, say you're Brock Purdy and you go out and, and your team takes the field and they, and they pick six, Geno Smith, and you're up seven zipping and you come out and you're playing with the lead and everything's going smooth and guys around you are making plays and 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 you, and you cruise to a victory, what what did your inexperience mean? It means absolutely nothing. I guess it just comes down to those moments that really test you.
1: Yes. Uh, one guy who doesn't think it does matter all that much, that it's overrated, Giants first-year head coach, Brian Dabo. They're in the playoffs for the first time since 2016, so you got a first-year head coach. Not a first-year quarterback. Daniel Jones has been there for a while. This will be his first playoff action. But here's the Giants head coach uh, giving his thoughts on how overrated it could be.
3: What do you make of your team's, I mean, for the most part, lack of uh, playoff experience? Not much. Just got to go play a game, get ready for a game, and you know, play and coach well. You don't think it it matters at all if network players do or don't have it? Like, can it it work as a benefit because they're sort of naive to what it is, or Um, do you think it's like a? It might take a few minutes for them to realize what they're in. I don't know. I mean, I've been in so many different situations. You know, you know, the first year that I was part of a Super Bowl. the quarterback didn't have any playoff experience there um, at New England. Some of the guys did some didn't um, you know we had some experience at Buffalo we you know lost you know I think it's really really what you make out of it Jordan is the experience probably is overrated to be honest with you um, it's how you prepare how you practice and ultimately how you play the game and coach the game on whenever day it is um, you know I've I've been around a lot of different teams that had varying levels of experience. Some a lot, some a little, some, you know, not much. I know someone mentioned Malcolm Butler. You know, I think really what matters is taking advantage of your opportunities when they come, um, and playing a good football game and coaching a good football game. Um, so. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I really think it's an overrated. It's an overrated thing.
1: I tend to agree with Dayball. Uh, uh, you know, Vic. If I was a, a coach, I would I would feel better about having experience. Yeah. But I do mm-hmm. think once you get in between the lines, it is. An overrated experience. I mean, take last year's AFC Championship game, for instance. You had one team playing at home, the Kansas City Chiefs, loaded with playoff experience against the Cincinnati Bengals on the road with very little playoff experience. Who, who triumphed? Who played the better football game? The Bengals did. Yep, They went to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think it, and also you have to tie in what your thoughts are. And you hear this all the time in sports. Well, the playoffs are a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with that to an extent, but I think the animal is the 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 NFL regular season animal is pretty similar. To the postseason mm-hmm. animal, because you don't have a lot of wiggle room in a seventeen-game season to mess around. No, you don't. So I think the intensity is, is pretty close, probably closer in any in football than any of the other sports.
0: Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And it's it, but it also I think all of this kind of leads to uh, who knows what to expect from any of these teams yeah. in the postseason. I think you know what you are going to expect from Tom Brady because he's got such the track record. But I don't think anyone really has a clue on what. To expect from any of this yeah i i don't know i don't know what we're going to think about this postseason but but it's weird that this this kind of di- very different feeling playoff bracket all ends up here in huh. glendale is this going
2: to be is justin herbert going to have his coming out party like joe burrow did last year in the playoffs is there going to be a surprise, you know, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, like why, one of these totally unheralded players.
1: Why couldn't that coming out party be Trevor Lawrence in that same
2: Trevor game? Lawrence, yeah, right. Trevor Lawrence. Same why couldn't it
0: be Kirk Cousins? I mean, a guy that's... Is this finally, yeah? Right. I mean, people think they know what they... People think they know what Kirk Cousins is. True. And, and what that would be would be an overinflated quarterback of an overinflated team. Who is not enough quarterback to win you big games. And
1: I've said that for years. I will say this. I've been more impressed with Kirk Cousins this year than any other year. Even in games where, and it's an extreme example, but you fall behind by 33 points in the first half to the Colts. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins, of old, that would have been a loss for his team. But he was able to engineer that comeback. Yeah, the the Colts made it possible as well. The
2: Vikings won 13
1: games
0: are playing a 9-win team mm-hmm. are at home mm-hmm. and they're only favored by 3 points there are a lot of people who think that what the Giants do is is exactly what the Vikings are not good at and that is you know they, they play really firm defense they're real strong up front they can run the football they can possess the clock uh, I also look at it from the flip side and say that if you're the Vikings and you've got this wretched recent playoff history, this is not a bad opening round matchup for you. Could you imagine if the game that ends up in Glendale pits the two most long-suffering fan bases in football—the Vikings and the Bills? Vikings and the Bills. I mean, just something's got to give. Well, look, again, just the Bills coming to Glendale would make the game transcendent all by itself, uh-huh. and not just because of Demar Hamlin, but certainly partly because of Demar Hamlin. Mm-hmm
2: here's a uh, just NFL news that just popped up Uh, Derek Carr just sent a uh, five paragraph uh, goodbye to the Raiders organization
1: Oh, he didn't. But it's weird that he didn't do that before he left the team.
0: <laughs> what
2: a weird thing, huh? We talked. We talked about like at certain point you got to cut. You, they might have to cut bait with Kyler Murray, even though they just gave him an
1: extension. Derek Carr, they just extended before this season, right? I believe so. And I was on vacation when that whole thing went down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you and, and Tim Ring talked about it. For Derek Carr, a guy who was painted as this ultimate teammate his entire stay in Oakland and Las Vegas, for him to pull that crap, Mm -hmm. leaving the team because you get benched, that is a joke. It's a joke. Joked that unless it was a Mari. mutual. Oh, you could, come on! It, it, things have got to be going Carr, well for you to show up at work. I don't
0: know. I, 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 I'm, t- I'm t- not t- giving him a break on that one. I, t- uh, I tend to. I tend to kind of side with Jared on this one, and maybe I'm wrong. But but Derek Carr is uh, it always says and does the right thing. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Well, well, what the, no. What's No, no. What I'm saying, unless the Raiders send him I, home. I, I didn't think want they him. Said we. We. You better not be around here. Go hang out with Jay Crowder and. Oh yeah. And Marcus Mariota. If that's the case, why would the Raiders... No, and, I know, if, Vinny. If Derek I, I don't, always did and said the right thing, why would the Raiders have that stance on him? I I don't know. I I don't know. I, again, he just he doesn't strike me as that kind of petulant guy. He's I mean, always- it was surprising when they benched him to begin with. That was one of the reasons Devonte Adams went there.
2: He writes at the end of his statement, I look forward to a new city and a new team who, no matter the circumstance, will get everything I have. Winning a championship is what I've always wanted and what I will continue to work towards. Next quarterback okay. for the New York Jets. That's exactly yeah. what I was just going to say. Really? Yeah.
0: Yep. I think so, too. He's got to get Colts written all over him.
1: The one-year Colts. Yeah, re- that's retread. true. That's he, true. He does kind of fit. He's a little younger than their normal retread, though. <laughs> I guess he's older than Carson Wentz, uh-huh. who apparently has also said his goodbyes to the fans of Washington. Really? <laughs> yeah,
2: he did that indie must-win game that they inexplicably brought him back for.
1: <laughs> it was awful.
2: <laughs> How's Jackie the Jet feel about that? He, his mind was boggled by the whole thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, some weird stuff that went down uh, late in the season in the NFL, no doubt. Burns and Gambo, uh, today you can join them from 2 to 6.30 at Sanderson Ford as they cap off the big red rig giveaway. They'll be giving away concert tickets and movie passes. And special guest Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman Will Hernandez will be there signing autographs. That's from 4.30 to 5.30 today. But Burns and Gambo out there from 2 to 6.30 at Sanderson Ford. Coming up next, our weekly visit with the one and only Shane Doan, Chief uh, hockey development officer of the Arizona Coyotes next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local
2: sports leader.
4: Dope scores on the rebound.
2: Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! Coyotes legend
1: Shane Doan, up early to talk Coyotes hockey with Bickley and Murata.
2: Shot by
0: Shane Doan, he scores!
1: Yeah, Yotes in action tonight at Mullet Arena against the Ottawa Senators, wrapping up a three-game homestand, trying to snap a six-game losing streak, and uh, Shane Don joins us right now here on Bickley and Murata. Mornings, Donor, Good morning, how are you?
4: Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. What
0: up, Donor?
1: Um, not long ago, we were talking about a hockey team that was starting to surprise yeah. some people. Three straight <laughs> wins, back-to-back wins over Colorado and Toronto. Now you got six straight losses and a couple of losses against some of the lower-tier teams in the league. What's been the biggest difference during this uh, this losing streak than what we saw against uh, those teams that I mentioned in the win streak, Shane?
4: You know what? There's been moments in every game that we've played that we've actually played exactly the way we want to, and we're just we're not finishing the. We're not finishing sixty minutes. Um, we're having mental lapses, and and then when we do, it's it's significant mistakes. Which this group has kind of stayed away from for the most part all year. Where you know there, there's a breakdown, but the, someone's always able to help the other group, the the other guy out. And um, right now, it just seems every time we make a mistake, it ends up in our net, and it seems to happen quickly. And and it's and as you look over it, it's it's hard not to acknowledge that. That last This last road trip, we, the beginning of the year was so hard, and I think mentally the guys prepared for that and were able to prepare for that. And then Christmas came, and it was kind of like, okay, we've got through this part of the season. Okay, we're under the second half. we got some – and you kind of take a breath. And whenever you take a breath in professional sports and kind of just drop – Ten percent of your guard, then you're in trouble. And it's kind of the feeling. And Bears an unbelievable coach, and he's trying to ramp them back up and get them going again. But that's a hard that's a hard human nature to to battle.
0: No doubt about it. I, I was going to ask you about that because I forget what game I was watching recently, and I think the Coyotes had one of those second periods where they gave up three or four goals, and it was just seemed to be one after another after another. Um, what do what do mature hockey teams do to kind of negate teams that are on that kind of zone when they're coming at you hot and heavy, and they? get one in the back of the net. How do you stop that from sort of like being a snowball going down the mountain? Because sometimes the games can get lopsided on you quickly, and that's happened a couple of times to this team.
4: Yeah, and and it really goes back to your identity as a group. When things aren't going right, you need to have kind of – and I mean, you, you, you use all the cliches of the other sports. Like it's, it's your running game. When the things, when things aren't going well, you just, you gotta, you gotta be physical. You gotta hand the ball off and run. You go, if it's your, you pitcher, you gotta get back. You gotta use your fastball. You got it's the things that you're identify as that you know you can do when everything is kind of crumbling. What is the one thing that you can put your identity in and, and fall back on? And I think that's, that's the good teams. You watch the good teams play, and it's their four check, or maybe it's their D zone coverage, or maybe it's just the the speed through the neutral zone. We got to get that identity. And um, I think it's kind of always been our work. It's been the, the work ethic. We've ran into a few injuries that have kind of got us a little thin. And we're like the last couple games, we're going with 11 forwards and 7 D. That's just not it it makes it a little bit more more difficult for guys. So we just gotta find um that identity that we've kinda of hung our hat on and, and get back to that a little bit. And I think we are. It's just it's there's moments when you you let your guard down and it's it's impossible for that not to happen.
1: Shane Doan, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. You you mentioned it earlier about the team, you know, early in that season, we talked so much about that 14-game road trip, which wasn't a continuous road trip, but the fact that you don't play a home game and you don't have those those friendly confines for that long has got to play tricks on you, Uh, and they they got through that. But, you know, when you look at it, and, and you've talked so much, Shane, about, All right, the second half of the season, there's a lot of home games, but still not a stretch longer than four straight at home. That seems a little bit uh, (laughs) unfair, uh, quite honestly. Doesn't it? Yes.
4: Doesn't it? I was laughing. I was talking with our trainers who, they bear the brunt of it. In professional sports, everyone talks about the athletes and how hard it is and the schedule. Not how hard, but the schedule and the grind and everything. But when you talk to the trainers and what their days are and what their schedules are, it's literally insane. And they were saying, we don't have, I think we're only home for nine days. That's the longest stretch we're home for the entire year. And when you do something like that road trip where you're on the, you don't play at home for 30, I think we didn't play at home for 38 days. Mm -hmm. You you assume that there's going to be a stretch where you kind of you know, recruit that. But the way that the schedule works out, we got a, we got a, one game here to Dallas, one game here to San Jose, another game. It's just constant. And last year, when you you looked at what what the New York Islanders went through, where they kind of went through a similar thing with their building they were they were seven they went seven games with the Stanley Cup winners two years in a row, and the following year they missed the playoffs by like eight points because of that stretch and how hard and how difficult their schedule was mm. and their schedule was easy compared to ours that we look at this year and it just i mean that's the business of hockey, and that's the way it goes sometimes in new buildings and new changes. And you have to deal with it. And as an athlete, you have to understand no one cares, no one feels sorry for you. You got to go out there and find a way to compete.
0: This uh, question is going to sound ridiculous, but it's actually kind of serious. Why has load management never taken root in hockey where scheduling can be as difficult as it is in the NBA? <laughs>
4: i'm not I'm not totally sure we do laugh about it as a as a league sometimes but and I think you look at the minutes that a basketball player plays where he's on the court um and it's it's something that as a as a as a hockey player you you roll through twenty guys, so it's not rolling through twelve right. and I think that probably makes a big difference.
0: But that could you imagine? Could you imagine being a hockey player rolling into a, a room and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm not feeling quite right. I need to get some rest. I'm going to take tonight off." What would? The, how would the room in an NHL dressing room react to that, Donor? You might
4: not be allowed back into that room. Uh, well, least, That's right. At least, at least, not in that city. You might, get, you might get to do it in a few other cities, but you're not doing it in the same city place. Uh, uh, <laughs> but it's it is. It's crazy. Are the guys like? It's crazy their willingness to block shots and put their body on the line. I'm walking through the dressing room and watching guys get – they're getting swelling pushed out of their ankles. I'm like, what happened? Ugh. He's like, oh, I took a shot in the ankle. It's like, it's like they don't even, I didn't even know what happened and they just, they keep going and they and they, they're having to massage all the swelling out and it's literally black. But it's like, oh, we'll get that out. Don't worry. We'll get that out. You <laughs> don't even know that that's going on. That's yeah. just the way guys are. Yeah, uh,
1: an extreme example, and I brought this up on, on Monday's show, the Blake Wheeler story that back in December, he takes a shot um, and plays through the game. Turn out the injury was he ruptured one of his boys Shane and played (laughs) through a ruptured one what
0: what's the worst what's the worst
1: injury you ever played through in your career
4: ah oh man I I did my AC joint pretty bad one time, and that one was that was tough. Oh, you know what? I popped the center, so I ripped the cartilage out of my sternum, oh. which hurt to drive a vehicle. Like oh. you couldn't drive because I couldn't get my arms up to set it on the steering wheel, and I kept playing, and that was dumb. Do you drive with your knee donor?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go- please continue.
4: But that was that was dumb to the the one in, it, it hurt the most because I was afraid to get bumped by anybody and yet at the same time you had to go out and try to hit people and it it hurt to like breathe at times the sternum and your ribs those are I think when you talk to anyone whenever you hurt your sternum ribs. Those are the ones that uh, you, you just can't ever get comfortable until it's back, and it never gets back for the rest of the year. You're going to play with that one for the rest of the year, and it's no fun.
0: It's such a great topic because hockey players are legendary, legend, legendarily tough. And lastly, where does this ethos come from in the NHL? Where does this – we revere this game so much that we are going to play in these various states of injury. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think there's an element that you, without a doubt, guys take pride in it. And so once that starts to happen, then then uh, it seems to have to take on kind of its own energy and and guys keep doing it. Also, though, I think there are so many guys that are so close to being in the NHL. And the difference between being in the NHL, and not being in the NHL, and the difference between being in the NHL, and not being in the NHL, with the minor league system and the way how close guys are—that nobody wants to leave the game—and um, and I think that probably is as big as, as life is, uh, you, know, you know, preserve your career as long as you can because you know that someone's going to replace it. And I think that's with all the sports. That's why you see guys. Playing through you know things that uh, that that hurt and 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 guys and then once the guys start taking pride and it once it gets in your room, you can see guys that. Just continue to battle through stuff that yeah. you can't believe.
2: Well, Shane, don't feel bad. At times, it was equally as painful to watch you play. So, oh, Jared,
0: <laughs> I'm, that's sorry. Ridiculous. I'm
2: sorry, ridiculous. He, he loves it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Jared's been quiet for like it's got to be like six or seven shows now. So, uh, not I've quiet been waiting, enough. and I give it to him about it. I'm like, yeah, you, you, you have nothing. You have nothing for me right now, Jared. I can't believe it. <laughs>
1: Well, at least we got one shot in.
4: Don't (laughs) worry. It's always good to
1: talk to you. We will uh, chat again next week. Enjoy the rest of your week, man.
4: All right. And hey, I can't believe you guys gassed me for everything that was going on to the football. Like, that's unbelievable. A minute before you guys end the show, do they not know they needed to at least release that news a little sooner? Because it was supposed know. to be. Conspiracy on
0: Tuesday. theorists might say that the, the, the events might be related, don't
4: Be well, Shane. We'll talk to you next Shane, week. Bud. <laughs>
1: All right, see you guys. Thanks, Rick Steven. Shane Doan, uh, the Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Love Officer, that guy. our weekly guest on Thursdays. Uh, coming up next, we hit the nine o'clock hour in social media forum with some social studies. Sarah Cazell will take us through it. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.